Hey, good morning, good afternoon or good evening, depending on when you're watching this edition of Hypnosis Week Live. As you already know, my name by birth is Alex William Smith, better known to many of you as Jonathan Royal, hypnotist of MagicalGuru.com. That's enough about me because I'm excited this week to be joined by a guest who uh, is a licensed official trainer for the UK Hypnosis Academy, which means that he is a teacher and trainer of their unique approach of kinetic shift, as well as other hypnotherapeutic approaches. He also organizes um, an online meetup thing called Hypno Meetups, but they're doing a live event, uh, the first one, uh, I hope of many in May 2020, which we'll get him to tell us more about very, very shortly. So please welcome to the show, Graham Weber. Hi, Alex. How are you doing? You all right? I'm not bad, bud. How are you? Yeah, keeping well, keeping busy. <laughs> so for the people who don't know you, uh, who end up seeing this video, explain a little bit how, and we're recording this on the 20th of January 2020, if you find this in years to come, um, but explain how you ended up where you are now being a trainer for the UK Hypnosis Academy, because obviously you, you've not been a hypnotist all your life. No, no. Um, yeah, it's been a bit of a journey. So my background's actually military, um, serving as a soldier in the military. And during that time, I started with magic, always got a deck of cards around. Um, and magic became a utility for me to break out my comfort zone, but also being able to engage with people for like ice breaking and, and such like, and um, being able to get my message across a little bit, I suppose, being able to make me feel comfortable in front of people. And then eventually, um, Anthony Jacqueline, uh, team like yourself, uh, Jonathan Chase and all them sort of people all online um, reference stage hypnosis. So I started looking into that um, and then I started to, well, it took me, it actually took me four years from practicing to actually feel comfortable with hypnotizing someone, um, soon realizing what the actual main fault was. Uh, and then I had a friend, then once it popped, started doing street and then I started do, doing some stage hypnosis on camps and things where, where I was. And um, following wow. that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, private, private events, isn't it? So, yeah. you get, you're getting part of that. And um, and then from there, uh, I had a friend who had PTSD, I wanted to help him more, so I started looking to being a therapist and um, different approaches, different different people training with, with them and stuff, such like. Uh, in the end, obviously, I came, I came on a course with yourself. Following that, I went on a course with Carl. Uh, resonated with me more if I'm honest and um, because of my bouncy sort of approach that I am I like to talk a lot I like to just be straight hands-on um, and then eventually with my qualifications of game for the military and things he talked to me about well obviously I'd already learned KS but he talked to me about bringing trainers on and it sat with me well since then I've been working with Bev Gisburn uh, we've traveled around the world doing it to Australia and such like and um, and yeah I think we're teaching our eighth course this March so for those who have no insight whatsoever, um, which if, if they've not been on a course with yourself or one of the other trainers, is probably they'll fall into that category. Yeah. What exactly, as much as you can detail it in this context, what exactly is kinetic shift? Um, so it's a it's a modality. Uh, it's not actual hypnosis. It's uh, a mixture of seven different steps which are utilised to be able to make a rapid change in someone. Uh, well, it was well it was first created by Carl Smith at the UK Hypnosis Academy. Uh, following his uh, time with PTSD, he was working alongside Catherine Temple, uh, and they were just thinking about different things. They come across something, and that that day he had someone. Uh, she had someone. Uh, I think it was rewiring her house and he was suffering with PTSD. They ended up doing this this thing. You know, and that was very kinetic and it made him shift and become kinetic shift. Um but like I say it's 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 it was creative for a content free approach. So it wasn't really about um being able to ask someone loads of questions. It was more about them being able to capture what that moment was inside and then from there being able to make the change. Uh, without them even realizing something's actually happening because at times if you're told someone right I'm going to hypnotize you the first thing they may do is go oh my god put the tinfoil hat on and run out the door and um, whereas this was much more softer but yet um, impactive that something can happen uh, without necessarily realizing 
Uh, now, for people who might have a NLP background, as opposed to the more conventional hypnosis, and I'm doing that because it is. Um, how does this relate or not relate to um, the submodality shift working NLP? So, well, you know, so if you used to bracket it off in some ways, you could say uh, the, the modality comes off similar to the meta pattern and stuff like that as well. Um, you know, if you can associate something, if you can disassociate something, you could utilize it in that way. Um, obviously, this way is a lot, a lot more hands-on approach, whereas you're um, making it a lot more visualized. Whereas, obviously, with the meta pattern, people are just thinking about what they're going through. Um, there's a lot more physical aspect to the to kinetic shift. Not saying you get someone in an armbar, but <laughs> it's much more that they can actually see, feel, and uh, emphasize something going. Um, and it's very quick, like I'd say, NLP as well can be very any approach can be very quick and um i think the reason why i get on with it very well is due to my magic um okay providing you build up rapport providing you have a liaison with someone that you can um pull them in exactly the same as doing a card trick when you're waving your hand over here but in fact the cards are in this hand without them even realizing you i thought you were going to do a trick then oh no like i say i always just play with them in my hands and um, when you are doing something like that um, it soon becomes apparent that you can talk to people in, in a way that it pulls them in to uh, to give them that support, to give them the rapport. And using the rapport, like I said before, you can then go on to the dynamics that is kinetic shift to be able to do it. Okay, this is playing devil's advocate. And don't worry, you will see when you watch videos of interviews with other people, I've asked everybody this same question. And everyone that comes after you will get asked this exact same question. Yeah. Uh, so make of it what you will. You've just saved me asking you a question because you've already pointed out that there is this element of once you've got a rapport with somebody, uh, a trust, um, call it what you will. There's many, you know, depending on what approach you're using, people would use different words for the same thing. And therefore, then there's a credibility and a belief in place. Mm hmm. How, you know, I mean, and you've stressed that, that that is important. Without a doubt, it definitely is important. What would you say to the people who say that that ultimately is what is important? What you do after that doesn't particularly matter a blind bit, really, as long as you do it in a, a manner that it seems important so that people pick up on your intent for it to help them. Yes and no. So, um Yes, it is important what you do afterwards because the last thing you want to do is impact something that could recreate the negativity or cement it even more. Um, you know, last thing, last thing you want to do is say something that, uh, let's say you've got someone who's PTSD from being attacked. Um, you know, if you if you don't use if you was to afterwards, I don't know, go jovial in any sort of way, then obviously that's not going to take, that's going to break every last little bit of rapport. So it's not just that once something's created, um, you can say whatever afterwards, it's about maintaining that the whole way through. By using the linguistics, by using the training of whatever you've got, um, and being able to use their methodologies, the, um, the wording, and like I say, maintaining that rapport afterwards will keep it on track. Now, as we all know, yes, there is a many, many different ways of how you can approach this. There's a reason why some people use scripts, some people don't use scripts. How can a script work uh, if you're just reading the same words every single time? How can it be that you're not using a script, but you're just going off, off the cuff with how it is you're looking at the person and doing it? Mm -hmm. Now, how is it that people can have equal amounts of results at the same time and people can't as well? Now, I believe personally scripts limit you to where you can go because if you're saying the same thing every single time, you're only going to get a certain amount of hits. Um, but like I said, like I said before, the, the rapport post, it, do, it does matter what you do, but it doesn't matter as much as if you have got something that's fine tuned that you know can hit multiple spots. And that comes down to knowing people. Okay. Um... Now, one of the areas, as you said, that you particularly specialise in, mm -hmm. which is obviously your background, which gives you a major advantage in, in, in that arena, both credibility and background knowing the 
arena is working with people who are involved in the armed forces, the military. Yeah. Um, can you tell? I'm, I'm not. I'm not asking you to reveal anything about clients, obviously, because client confidentiality. But can you tell us the sort of? I know the quick, simple answer is to say you deal with things like PTSD or as it used to be called in the past, shell shock and things like that. But I'm sure there's much more to it than that. So, so rather than going into actual sessions and such like, um, very much like what I taught at the UK Hypnosis Academy last year now, uh, sorry, not UK Hypnosis Convention, um, the big thing about the military is where people get the person wrong. Um, the big thing about everything is rapport in my eyes. And if you do not understand the military, now, that's not saying that you don't understand that they go to war, they spend time away from the family and such like. But if you don't understand how a soldier speaks and um, if how a soldier converses, uh, what a soldier's behaviours are, then yeah. then that way you're going to lose the rapport. So, you know, in, in the words of a soldier, if you're getting jacked on by the civvy, then you're never going to be able to fix them. You know what I mean? So there's only certain people who will be able to fully understand what I'm getting on there. Um, it's It's much more... It's not an us and them, but as a therapist, you've got to be able to understand the military to be able to pull them in, to be able to maintain the rapport. Like I said before, you can build up rapport, you can talk to someone, you can get onto it. But then if if that person is telling you what their background is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're on Herit 13, they're traveling in the back of a jackal. And every two minutes you're going, sorry, what's a jackal? Sorry, Herit, Herit 13, what do you mean by that? You're going to lose them faster than what you got them even in through your door which then means no change work will take place. That person will not believe in another therapist. And if they are on a slippery slope, they're just going to keep slipping a bit faster. Um, yeah, I can totally agree and see where you're coming from therapeutic-wise. I'll just say that stage hypnosis-wise, the easiest people I've ever found to hypnotise are people in the military because they're already conditioned to... Well, as long as the place where you're performing, somebody in a higher authority position than them is the person who's booked the event. <laughs> then they're the easiest people on the planet to do shows for because they don't want to upset the person who's paying the bill. Yeah. Um, but therapeutically, yeah, I think that's the same law in all walks of life to a degree. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I, I'd like, you know, I, I agree. It is the same in all works, walks of life, but however, not everyone. Granted, you've got, you've got uh, colloquialisms. If you're, you know, obviously for your accent compared to my accent, even though I'm only from Chester originally, um, my accent's changed a lot. Mm-hmm. If I do get talking and I get in depth with things, I have to concentrate a lot now not to use squaddy lingo. Um, whereas you give me a beer, it comes out every two seconds. Um, obviously, you know, things like swearing and that, and that as well, it can be much more profound within the military um, than what it is in civilian life. So, it's it's how and where to use it. Sometimes with clients, you know, you may get a client who swears a lot. In my eyes, I say join them, use their language, what comes along with them, and if you can use it to um, build that rapport, and again, like I say, get them working on the same song sheet, then you're only ever gonna be able to pick out a little bit better because, you know, we've 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 done NLP basics and things like that, mirroring mirroring and, and matching, and uh, becomes a massive way building rapport in a very fast avenue. Excellent. Um, with, um, well, I mean, with men in general, I'm just taking men as an example. We'll come to men, not being sexist, people at home, we're covering all sexes here. But men, uh, it's in the past couple of years, it's become more obvious that, um, you know, there's high suicide rates in men, and men tend to be quite reserved about admitting that they need help or, or, or dealing with things. Now, I know one or two people in the military and they, it's like it's amplified with them from what I've observed because obviously there's that perception of they are the protector. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that impact things in the arena you work? And obviously it's not just the fact that, and obviously it applies to the females as well in, in, in the armed forces. It's just yeah. men have got a just- double whammy there. Uh, there's a multitude of levels. I can't go into it too much because because of obvious obvious reasons. But um, I think you really, if anything, you've got to look at the picture, the bigger picture as well. Uh, a person's using the military to get away from something, or ju- or to obviously go into a new adventure. You know, there's there's a multitude of ways there. Um, 
yes, you could say as the protector, but there's a multiple roles. You know, I'm a vehicle mechanic um, by trade. So obviously for, for me there, that's that's completely different to someone who's on the front line. Um, so, so yeah, like, I suppose it comes back into that same same role of you need to understand what is happening there, what is that picture. You know, for me, um, I was, you know, I was, I was 18, yeah, I was 18, I, mean, I think now, yeah. So, I, yeah, I was 18 and a half when I was in Iraq um, the day on patrol, well, on, on, a, on a road move, the day Saddam Hussein got caught. And, um, you know, yeah, I was, I was shot at. But, um, you know, it wasn't until... I returned fire. It wasn't until I got to Basra Palace that I started seeing all the signs that, that Saddam Hussein um, had been captured. So then straight away from my head, was it is it celebration with fire? Was someone shooting at me? I don't know. Um, I seen someone there. I seen the rounds hitting the floor. Um, it wasn't natural for someone of my environment, being a vehicle mechanic, to come under contact. Mm. But, but we did. It was that day. It was pretty memorable. Um, you know, what... How, how can you ever say what's going to happen? Uh, you know, I've had friends who've lost best mates stood right next to them. I was in Cyprus doing the Cyprus Challenge this year, um, well, in 2019, the end of November. Um, I had a friend, military, who was running around with um, a three kilogram medicine ball. So if anyone uh, is interested, look into it, the medicineballchallenge.com, I'm pretty sure it is, uh, or just type in Medicine Ball Challenge onto Facebook. You'll see that um, it's going all the way around the country where people carry med- medicine ball for for so many days or whatever time frame you can do uh, in everyday life there's only i think it's three conditions as to when you can take it off when you're sleeping when you're in a shower or when you're driving um so obviously for this the cyprus challenge is a four-day running event day one's a six kilometer road race uh, day two is 11 kilometer uh, mountain race uh, day three is a half marathon and day four is a 10 kilometer and um, fun run so he did all four of their events carrying this three kilogram medicine ball and it nearly crippled him. You know, it really did, well, never crippled him, but it, it really did take the life out of him just to be carrying that extra little weight of a burden, um, which signifies what people carry on a day-to-day basis. So these days, the term post-traumatic stress disorder gets bandied around, frankly, more than it should because there's people out there who frankly are just going through the niggles of life when you encounter them I'm not saying that's involved a case with anyone in the military but I'm just saying in the general mass populace out there it's become almost we had the era of uh, it's cool to have a therapist about a decade ago and now you know stress was the buzzword for a while now tons of people who frankly should and I'm not on about people in the military. I'm not on about people in uniform services. I'm not on about people who've just, you know, maybe had a bereavement in tragic circumstances in everyday life. I'm on about the attention-seeking idiots out there who jump on the bandwagon. And, oh, it used to be stress. Now it's PTSD. I've gone through something. There's a world of difference in the kind of stuff you're dealing with and the things that people will have gone through or in any uniform services than what the majority of people encounter. So consequently, there'll be a world of difference, generally speaking, uh, in terms of what you're confronting as a therapist to what most therapists will be encountering. How do you as the therapist deal with that in terms of what they call therapist burnout you know because of the extreme nature of the stuff you're helping people with uh okay so i i'll probably explain this recently i i i don't know it's been since i've been learning hypnosis in different ways that i came up with a i don't know what the word in is prophecy i don't know development uh anything that happens even after this you know after we've done this, what can what can be changed? You know, therefore, you know, while I'm doing it, watch out for how and where, how and why I speak. If I'm saying something, obviously, then it's, it needs to be said. Um, but at the same time, last thing I want to be doing is um, is be pulling myself into it so emotionally that I take away the burden as well. Now, 
it's not to say that I don't care about people. I, I really do care. That's why I always make sure I check up on my clients and make sure everything's fine. Um, but I don't emotionally bond myself to that situation to the point where, you know, I can really draw it in. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's certain circumstances where you do think, shit, you know, but there's also times when you think, okay, you know, well, that just means I've got to make sure I do a bloody good job of what I'm doing here. Um, and providing you put all that energy into doing your job, then you'll tend to find that it doesn't get picked up on afterwards. you just got to make sure you maintain. Because, like I say, I say to everyone, you know, it doesn't matter what happens, it's already in the past. You know, even what I was just saying two seconds ago is in the past, we can't change yeah. it. Um, given that, for example, yourself and Carl Smith of the UK Hypnosis Academy have both got military backgrounds, Obviously, that gives you an advantage in terms of what you were saying before because of knowing the lingo, instant understanding. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you find that relates? Because there's all different areas of the military, isn't there? Um, yeah. Different armed forces or whatnot. Knowing the lingo in one, it, does that help you with like other armed forces or is it you, you kind of like, got an easy in with a certain area of the armed forces that you were um, in and understand and it, yeah, I, know, I know what you're getting at um yeah yeah no it does it carry it carries across massively although so yeah military to police police to firefighters and everything like that yes there's some lingo which is different but um usually what you tend to see is that personalities are the same okay do you know what i mean the banterous sort of doesn't get easily offended uh likes to step outside the comfort zone a little bit more sort of person who you know if you do say something it's not like they're gonna get offended by you straight away so yeah you tend to be a lot more comfortable saying what you need to say or being who you need to be in front of each other do you think that background and training as well gives you has already given you a mind state uh that helps you deal more effectively with people. Uh, I know you do it mainly content free, but if they suddenly decide they want to tell you what they've got rid of or they're going through or whatever, do you do you think that because of your training, non-hypnosis but military-wise, before that that gives you that helps you handle it as well? Yeah, yeah, it definitely helps the resilience. Um, you, I think. Really, any therapist who's, again, back to the start, has built up a rapport, is connected in one way or another through the through the session, who who has the intent uh, and, is, and is competent with what they're doing. Even if you are working content-free, you can usually pick up what's, what's sort of wrong. I would say sort of wrong very, very carefully because I don't want to sound um, like I'm not paying attention to it. But massively, usually just by gestures and where people are placing their hands and things. And this is why myself, Carl, and other trainers from UK Nurse Academy don't like scripts. It's because if that one person, you could one sorry, one moment in time, you could be reading something that you think is absolutely specific, but that person could literally be holding onto their throat, let's say, for example, and you miss it. Because by the time you look back at, back at them, they're just relaxed and it looks like they've just wiped themselves. Now, yeah. For me, that could be a massive thing that you need to tell them to let go of. You need to pick up on that per that reason and, and action upon it. Again, use your linguistics. You don't necessarily know what's right. Um, if, you, if you obviously feel like it is something that's significant, then you know, dip your toe into to being the full therapist and ask them, ask them if it's something they want to talk about. You know, because a problem shared, the problem halved. You know, acceptance is the first step of recovery in my eyes. Yeah. Yeah, no, very, very, very good points indeed. Um, so for, for people who are watching, well, my message from that, I, I take from that straight away is to say to the people at home, it's not that I'm trying to butt you off from ever trying to help someone who's involved in the military. I'm just suggesting maybe, and I'll throw this back to Graham in a minute, that we should all as therapists perhaps realise that we have areas where we're going to be better at um, because we're naturally either more skilled in that area or because we understand 
the background of those types of people better or a multitude of different reasons and that it, it is instead of thinking about paying the bills if you do your business right in the long term giving away clients referring them to somebody who is more specialized in a certain area actually in the long term you'll end up getting more clients because they'll go away and say to people you know what this person isn't just in it for the money they'll send you to the person who's right for you so i am suggesting if you get people that come to you from a military background and it does look like it's going to be something kind of post-traumatic stress disorder related perhaps check out you know graham's uh website which he'll give you shortly because for the reasons he's already said the truth of the matter is the chances are he would be able to help that person more rapidly or more thoroughly okay but that's no reflection on your skills in other areas you just you know, each to their own. I mean, you know what I'm getting out there, Graham? Yeah, uh, yeah, like, you know, absolutely. Yeah, I get what you're getting out. Um, obviously, the biggest problem is, although there's a lot of people in the military who dabble with holistic therapies in one way or another, um, I don't know very many people who are hypnotists. Um, obviously, I know a lot of ex-people, you know, um, you know, you got Carl and, and, and the like as well, and people who've, who've obviously... There's a lot of people who've had past um, military service or otherwise emergency services as well. Um, obviously, it does come down to competence. Um, that's why, again, that's why I wanted to share what I did at the UK Hypnosis Convention this year, because in my eyes, every therapist can be credible. Every therapist has got the tools that they need. Um, I just feel that talking aspect and understanding, you know, vehicles, uh, drills and skills, uh, locations, deployments, what does tabbing mean, what does walking, what does jacking on someone mean, what does scoff, what's, you know, what's all these different words that we all use um, when you're hanging out and you just want to get, you know, want to get your head down. It's it's all this little stuff that you want to be able to to nip in the bud as such. And I say, back to the game report, build up on person, someone. Because if you, if you can't, if, if you did try to take them on, you go for a consultation, you lose them in that consultation, would they go on to another therapist or would they try and sit in silence thinking there's no other option for them? Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. exactly. And you've got to think about the bigger picture, which in long term from a, well, there's the ethical side, but there's also from a marketing side, actually sending somebody to see someone else who's more specialised in a particular field can actually be better for you who's making the referral in the long term um and you'll naturally find your own area that you 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 you, you know you're good at i mean obviously if you're watching and you've got military background uh or uniform services background and you think this is something you'd like to move into then again from that contact con contact graham and you're obviously going to immediately understand each other where you're coming from in terms of if you want to learn how to acquire these skills to to work in in that area um so tell us a little bit about you know, I, I know you've got um i mentioned earlier you run the hypno meetups um online but you've got an event coming up in may haven't you a live event yeah so hypnosis online meetups what is it um i used to try and organize meetups just in a local pub you know, just somewhere where a group of therapists could meet, we could network, we could chat, and weeks and weeks would go by, sending out events, people saying, yeah, they're interested, people saying they're going, you end up with 20 people on there saying going, it comes to the night and four people are there, and one of them being you, so only three other people have turned up, which is kind of the modern the modern day-ism, due to the fact of how busy we all are, family life, I get it, I am just as busy too, plus if you are an evening therapist and such like that, um, then you know you can't necessarily get away because you've got clients you've got to put food on the table absolutely fully understand so then i was like well why don't we use modern day um modern day methods to be able to get this information across we can meet online and we can have some some form of uh, a presenter to be able to share, share their information um you know if you join basically, basically trying to keep it as a live event um although not everyone can make it so because it's online it can be recorded it can be shared yeah. and the like um so yeah so just uh september so september 2018 was my first one and um, we've just gone over a year 
Uh, just recently, I had Beth Gisborne, who's my co-trainer, but she's a massive, massively brilliant um, marketer, and she works on workshops. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, though, I didn't, I didn't put that one up for, I didn't put that one up for replay, just because, um, yeah. as much as it's, it was great information, um, I know, she, I know she's got bits and stuff that she's working on as well. I've got Stephen Blake talking for me next month. I've had the likes of Melissa Tears, Mike Mandel, uh, Adam Eason, um, Hazel Gale. Trevor Sylvester, um, Barry Collins, uh, Phil Steele, uh, Daniel Ryan. The list goes list goes on every month, once a month, um, on hosted. I host it via Zoom, so it's a lot like a webinar as such. The only difference is every single person who's on that webinar can actually see, can interact, can be a part of it. Um, so if you actually wanted to ask a question to someone, you can raise your paw on the screen, you know, get unmuted as such, just put to stop the microphone echo, uh, ask you a question straight to the person's face and then um, get any direct answer that you want rather than tapping away on um, on a webinar and hoping that they read it because 40 other questions go flying past at the same time. Um, yeah, so, you know, I only, I charge £7 for a meetup, uh, it pays costs, but I also give something back as well. You know, I've had books in the past uh, sent out uh, courses. Uh, I've just recently had Mike Mandel send out a signed sign deck of his uh, hypnosis cards. Uh, and for February's one, I'm giving away a whole year's subscription to uh, Meetups plus my whole back catalogue, which works out just over about £200 worth of stuff. Um, but that's, again, it's got, a, it's got a condition that you have to be there live. If you're not there live, then you haven't got a chance to win it. Mm -hmm. um, What's the website address for people who are wanting... So it's so at the moment, well, I'm in the middle of fully built. So you can go on hypnosisonlinemeetups.com, which will take you to my website where I've got my store part of it. Um, obviously, I've got Facebook page, Hypnosis Online Meetups, and a, and a group again, Hypnosis Online Meetups. Um, so all that's on there. You can see we have chats. I, I regularly post. I regularly get a, a chat up with different courses around that's going, um, or or other little bits and bobs which which are happening in the area. And just to basically get people talking. My, my main thing is to get everyone trying to sing off the same song sheet as such. Um, and I know there's a million and one different modalities. You know, we're, we're all hypnotists. We all need to practice. We all need to do everything. Uh, CPD becomes apparent because if you want to, if you want to keep staying with the times, I know you've got your thoughts of exactly how hypnosis can happen, but all these, all these different approaches that people have, it makes you think how, how you work. And even if you take that one little nugget, which, you say in a session, which creates an unbelievable release for someone. In my eyes, you've earned your seven pound back straight away. Mm, oh yeah, and um, anyone who's in the industry, anyway, it's completely tax deductible business expense for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. so, yeah you know. Um, but you're doing a, a live version, aren't you? I mean, by yeah. live, I mean actual live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so again, it, this was just a thought process of we've done every year could we put something together that was um that, that we can bring people together to actually have a live network get everyone together in one room um we've got a list of presenters to come and talk and some some of who've been on before some who i've worked alongside and and yeah so the 16th and 17th of may in birmingham the Hilton Hotel. 2020, if you're watching this, yeah, yeah. Already got <laughs> yeah. but I'm sure there will be other ones because I'm, you know, hopefully it's oh, yeah. again, yeah? Yeah, so we've got, um, we've got some of the presenters you've got talking on here, we've got talking, um, but we've, what we've done is, I guess it's called Hypno Meetups Live, that's because that's my background, it comes also on the back end of Hypno Online Meetups a little bit, um, and for me, that's the that's where we started it. But it's every sort of modality. We've got physiotherapists, we've got massage therapists, we've got uh, EFT, we've got IEMT, we've got people who are just going to be passing on information towards marketing, towards pain, towards um, hypno antidepressants. I bet you can't guess who that one is. Uh, um, I wonder. <laughs> and so, like I say, we've got we've got a multitude of people. We've got some two-hour sessions. We've got some um, we've got one-hour sessions. We've got people who are doing intuition. We've got uh, like I say, there's a multitude of different people who are there to to, to share their information with us. Um, and then on the Saturday evening, we've got the brilliant Grant Saunders doing a hypnosis show, and uh, to have a bit of fun to bring everything back. Cool. 
Um, but I hope it goes really well, and then there'll be others in future, I guess. Are you looking at doing it yearly or twice a year? Or? Um, well, we need to see. Like we say, we, we may have it. We may have a yearly thing with some sub meetups, places like doing little CBD. I, don't, I really don't know yet. We need to see what one how this first one goes. You know, it's it's new for us in the journey that we're taking. There's a lot of lot of uh, planning and involvement and and pushing and everything. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Like I say, I'm I'm really happy with the lineup that we've got. It's um, very dynamic. It's very it's there's someone like I say we're not we're not necessarily looking for the most experienced therapists to come and well obviously more than welcome but we wanted to look at them people who are new to hypnosis the people who may have just started in a therapy but want to know what all this other therapy is yeah. that's why we, we've kept the, the price down by moving it and um, towards Birmingham we've been able to literally bring it right down so the current ticket prices are 125 pound and with the topmost ticket only being 175 pound for the two days to be there um, and yeah, like I say, we wanted to bring it so you can come along, you can have a look at all these different modalities and go, yeah, I definitely want to, I have a niche in that area or I want to learn a little bit more. So if I'm going to open my own shop, I can be a hypnotherapist, but I could also do some massage. I could look into a physiotherapist. I'm yeah, definitely want to add EFT to book my tricks and trades or yes, I definitely want to add this and that and the other. Um, I really like the, really like the sound of that trainer. Uh, I'll, I'll invest into that person um, or mm, I did like the sound of that person, but it's not necessarily the way I want to go. I, I, now I know a little bit more about it. It's not necessarily my avenue to take. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. I like the fact there's all the different modalities. Now, in that regard, that kind of triggered off in my head uh, another question. Um, generally speaking, as far as I can tell from having spoken to people, what I've researched, what I've seen, um in terms of medical doctors uh referring people um for help with ptsd one of the main things they seem to refer for is people who, who do the um emdr or, yeah. or equivalent eye movement desensitization and reprogramming it's right now for that how does kinetic shift compared to EMDR? Um, so I've not tested it, if I'm honest. Um, we, have got, we have got trainers who are EMDR um, trainers as well as kinetic shift, and they really like it. Um, I think it's, I, I, I can't, for me, it's not something I can fully answer, but I know there's aspects of EMDR that are utilized within kinetic shift so yeah so there is the like the old follow the finger or the pen yeah you've got you've got an yeah you've got an aspect of of, of following to be able to right, to get the hemisphere yeah to release the the yeah right okay so 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 effectively there's some similarities there so anyone who's yeah. already perhaps doing emdr they, they might want to look into kinetic shift because it'll already resonate with them on some yeah. Absolutely, it's um, you know it's it's a fast it's a fast way to be able to approach. Um, I, I couldn't tell you how long a typical EMDR session is. It's something that I would always like to to fully catch up on, but at the moment I've not had the requirement for it. You know, got some, you know, it, it is, I'm not definitely not here to say that it isn't as much. Um, but from the way I utilise kinetic shift, I, I get results from the way I utilise my. Uh, hypnosis and other modalities I get results so um, you know there's, there's times where things will come become apparent where I want to look about venturing and, and learning some other bits which I've got you know I've got thoughts and plans in my head that I want to get towards um, but there's no point rushing too much too soon get comfortable with where you are developing and, and then mm-hmm. add slowly. So moving away from PTSD yeah Slight, well, quite dramatically. Um, I, I guess you also deal with other things as well, with, shall we say, more civvies, as you you would say, <laughs> normal people. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot, of, a lot of myself, um, I like to work with weight loss. I like to work with anxiety work. Um, mostly with weight loss is because I've had weight loss when I first did my diploma. Um, Bev, who's my co-trainer, helped me lose three stone. 
um, change the way how my habits were created. And I like to use it to pass on information uh, of which I've had some great results over the years. Um, so obviously that pushes you forward. Uh, anxiety and stuff, because, you know, not going in too deep with it before, but like you said before, you, you may, everyone has their own opinions of what different things are and what they aren't. Like when you try to say about the whole PTSD thing, I, I believe somewhat similar to anxiety. Um, as one example, you know, growing up in Chester in the in the 90s, you know, I remember paranoia being a really big thing. And you don't really hear that anymore, do you? You just hear this anxiety word. So mm. you know, not saying that it, it is the same, and it, you know, there definitely is differences. However, at the time, was the feelings that people were feeling who they thought they were paranoid, were they actually feeling anxiety? And if, you know, if it is what it is, or if it is what it isn't, what is it? I think sometimes the problem, problem, negative word, but I'm, I'm going to use it just because it makes more sense in normal English. It doesn't make sense in a clean language kind of way, but the person's problem can often Not spiral out of control through, through the unknown, through this terminology or through social, social media yeah social well yeah social media and news and normal media throwing about these oh yeah scare stories i suppose so obviously not to not to create any arrows in the back or anything um a lot of people were ill this christmas weren't they the christmas of 2019 a lot of people had the flu cold sniffles whatever it was one way or another someone was ill and um, my wife being one as well and we had to you know we took it to a call out doctor and it was really it was revealed to me that it was at an all-time low this year that um, people took up on the flu vaccination. Now, you know, I know everyone has their own thought and process towards vaccinations, whether it should be or where it shouldn't be. However, this year, it was an all-time low. And this year, it was an all-time mass of people coming down with flu, X, Y, Z, uh, as a result. So, you know, I don't know. Could that just be from what they see on Facebook, social media and whatever, and where where uh, suggestions get fed to lead to stuff. Like I say, I'm not after an argument for it. It's just, uh, for me, it's just looking at evidence and, and sharing it a little bit. Um, coincidence, maybe. Uh, reality, maybe. I don't know. Well, it's, certainly, it's certainly an interesting area to, uh, to, to think about, because without a doubt, people, there's more and more people, you mentioned social media, affected by well i'd say that their sense of identity has become almost connected to their social media accounts whether it's getting more likes you know young girls getting more likes on their instagram posts or you know to to feel some sense of self-worth or if somebody puts a thumb i think you can thumbs down on instagram or something i know you can't on facebook but you know if they get a negative comment that has a massive knock-on effect on people society's changed dramatically hasn't it in sort of the past well since social media i would say yeah um it it can be taken a lot of you know it's, it's one of the things you can't live with and you can't live without you know especially for advertising marketing bits as well you know you've got a massive massive market market to be able to reach and things but at the same time there's groups i'm you know i'm sure many therapists here have been into an anxiety group or something um and there's a lot of feeders in there who feed the anxiety to be able to build up the group to you know i'm not saying they do but potentially monetize or whatever it is yeah i know which whichever way i don't know um I'm inclined to agree with you. Oh, yeah. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Completely hit the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas at least with the one man or one woman, not being sexist, doesn't matter whether you're male or female, which uh, one is the individual therapist, you've got to be getting the best results you can for your clients and not making them dependent because otherwise you're just going to end up getting bad mouths and not getting more clients, aren't you? So, yeah, exactly. So, you know, review, reviews speak for themselves when people are sending you your way. Um, you know, that's that's how genuine feedback comes to you, isn't it? It doesn't have to be written onto Facebook to get feedback, you know. Don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm someone who always, you know, likes to ask for feedback too. But um, time, 
time is precious to people and if it sometimes just to go on there to actually i don't know suppose suppose make light of everything that's actually happened writing a feedback can be quite a big thing for a person as well because they might not want anyone to to see that something's gone on in a personal life however six eight months down the line you get a phone call from someone oh you help help my friend with, with anxiety you know um i hear you're brilliant kind of booking with you yeah speaks for itself on it yeah yeah well we uh we've only got sort of about 10 minutes left so i'm going to ask you the question i've asked everybody the other question i've asked everybody which is uh obviously there's people watching you well i'm saying there is i'm not psychic but at some point hopefully the people watching you've got tons of experience in this industry there'll be other people who are just starting out there'll be people who are perhaps just interested dipping the toe in the water so we'll, we'll take the example of someone who's starting from scratch. If somebody came to you who's no real experience, no real background, they haven't yet, you know, made any major investment. They may have, you know, bought a few books or whatnot. What would your top three tips be to someone um, if, they, if they were looking at going down the path of becoming a, a talking mind therapist will say, because he doesn't necessarily have to be a hypnotherapist, does he? It could be a kinetic shift practitioner. It could be yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so for me, there's only one major point. Uh, as I said at the start, it took me four years to first hypnotise someone. Um, however, the things that I was doing before then haven't changed. Um, you know, regardless, you know, I so much, so much research into pre-talks, into inductions, into whatever it was. But the only thing that changed was my belief, my belief that I could actually hypnotize someone. Me, Graham Webber, being able to tell someone that this is what's going to happen. This is how mm-hmm. it's going to happen. And then it happened. So number one is belief. Um, so if you can't, if you don't believe you can do something, you know, back to the old NLP language patterns, if you try something, you know, there's a chance that it's not going to work because you only tried to do it, but at least you gave it a try. So believe in yourself and do it. Um, number two would be, I would suggest if you are new and you want to learn it in a nice, confident manner that you can do it, is uh, find a course, a group or someone where you can practice. Now, that's part of the reasons why when we do kinetic shift courses, day one is rapid inductions. Um, where we teach 10 inductions. Why teach 10 inductions? Because uh, I only ever really use one to two of them. Um, mm-hmm. However, if you're now gone from nothing to now knowing 10, where you've literally gone from the easiest to the hardest, what's stopping you from using any of them in the future? Um, and obviously it gives you confidence. Yeah. Um, number three would be just be you. Never try and be a robot of someone else. If you try and copy what someone else, don't get me wrong, copy what other people are doing you can literally copy someone and you can achieve hypnosis yeah. but don't just model as they say in an hour oh, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah absolutely model but you don't need to go um modeling it to the point of this person scratches their left shoulder every third word um so you scratch your shoulder just for that part make it you like i said before rapport is something that is flows through you people are either going to buy you or they're not if you try and be someone who um, is disingenuous, if you're going to back, try and be someone who um, is clearly only doing what you're trying to do for money, or if you are clearly, you know, blasé to the, the fact, person, regardless of if they're looking at you or whatever, instinct and the rest of it will pick up on it and it will achieve hypnosis. So if you're, you know, you say, you could be saying the perfect pre-talk, but in the back of the head, you're just like, yeah, I'm definitely going to play with your head for a little while. Um, then it's not going to be achieved. And one of that bits with the belief is believe that you've hypnotized thousands of people already. OK, never, ever. Admit, I suppose this is technically my third point. Never, ever admit that that person is your first hypnotee. Because I always say to my students, imagine going to a cutthroat barber and he goes, I'm not going to cut your throat today. Today, oh, I'm not going to cut your your beard. But, but, yeah, we're going to use my so friend. Straight here. out, if you made any mention of cutting throat. Yeah. We're going to use my we're going to use my friend here. Uh, he's our apprentice, and you are actually his first client. 
would you let him cut your, cut your beard still? Um, you may be letting him cut your throat, you know. Yeah. Hypnosis, regardless of what you know, you don't know your beliefs or whatever. They're not, you know, if you do believe it's mind control, if you believe it's it's influence or whatever it could be, um, just make sure that you're telling that person that you've done it a thousand times or at least act like you have, okay? Um, because as far as they're concerned, if it's the first time, you are going to be controlling their headspace, um, and would you let that happen with someone whose first time it is? I remember the first time I hypnotized someone, it worked, I did it, and then I told everyone it was my first time. Someone else then said, oh, yeah, do it with me, and could I get hypnosis? Not a chance, because all of a sudden the secret is out the bag, um, and so on and so forth. Excellent. And you know what's really interesting? So far, with the exception of one or two people, but so far from all the interviews I've got in the can, your point three, excuse me, I'm about to sneeze, viewers. Oh. Excuse me. Your point three, everyone's come out as one of their points with roughly the same thing. That, And it's interesting to note that you said you didn't really change anything you were doing as such that hadn't worked. But even though you were doing the same things, it started working consistently when you kind of flicked a, a, a belief switch in your own head. Yeah. And uh, pretty much everyone said that as one of the points, which is a consistent thing for viewers. If you are starting out, you should see the fact that Graham said it, the fact that Richard Nongard said it, the fact that every man and his dog, male and female, young and old, have, have said that point that it's not a coincidence it's because that is really 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 vital so i'd like to thank you very much for your time graham it's been a pleasure don't forget people below this video there will be a link that link will be to the hypno meetups live website and um if graham's got any other website links he wants me to put under the video he will send to me i'm no doubt on facebook before this video goes live uh, but if you'd like to verbally tell them as, as well, uh, again, what your websites are. So I've got GrahamWeberHypnotherapy.com um, on Facebook, Hypnosis Online Meetups, as mentioned before, uh, yeah, and HypnoMeetupsLive.co.uk. Um, also, if anyone is interested in learning Kinetic Shift, I'd be running a course on the 7th and 8th of March 2020 um, in Bedford. So if anyone's interested in learning, uh, contact me through any of my pages uh, or Facebook, whichever, uh, or um, info at grainweberhypnotherapy.com and um, I can give you any more information you require. And if you see this after March, it will be up before then, but if you see it after that, don't worry, he will be organising other course dates as well, so still check out the website. Thank you very much indeed, everyone, for watching. Thank you for your time, Graham, and uh, please join me again next week when we'll have another guest on Hypnosis Week.